reading this morning is taken from Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 to 16. Jonah flees from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amati. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning and welcome to the St. Michael's Church building. It's so good to be in this place and I can tell you I'm really looking forward to a time where we can all gather in this place again to worship the Lord. It's going to be such a joy. Let's pray. So Father, thank you so much for Jonah. Thank you for all that we can learn from him. And as I, I pray that as we spend this time together, you just be highlighting sections that you want to apply to our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're in Jonah, which is one of the most well-known books in the Bible. It's one that we learn uh, from a very young age, and children absolutely love it. And it's a short enough book for us to study in four weeks. So that's what we're going to be doing um, over this time. And we're in chapter one. Now, chapter one has this theme of running away from God. And we're going to divide up this theme into the impossibility of running away from God which is the first four verses, the impact of running away from God, which is 5 to 13. 
and then the inevitability, which will be verses 14 to 16. So we start off with the impossibility. And this story finds us in the 8th century BC. Jonah is a Hebrew, an Israelite, he is in Israel, and uh, at, this, at that time uh, Assyria was the superpower of the day, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, the great city of Nineveh, as God calls it. And uh, Israel was a vassal state, in fact, under Assyria, so they were paying tribute, they were paying gold. Uh, regularly to the king of Assyria. So you can just imagine that uh, Assyria is far from popular amongst Jonah's people. And then this word of the Lord comes to, to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And you can just imagine, it's a bit like the head teacher um, pulling a boy across in the playground and saying, go to that girl over there because what she's doing is wrong and tell her that it's wrong and our little boy looks up at the head teacher and he thinks if I go to that girl and tell her then she's less likely to get into trouble because she might turn away from what she's currently doing and if that girl is an enemy of the little boy if he's taken dislike to her then he's going to find that command pretty difficult and in fact this is what we find in the prophet's Jonah. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want Assyria to get off the hook. He wants God's judgment to fall upon them. So therefore he decides to do uh, exact opposite of what God has called him to do. And where he's been told to go northeast, he in fact goes as far west across the Mediterranean as he possibly can to what we now call Spain. And there Tarshish is the equivalent maybe of our Timbuktu or outer Mongolia. He says, I'm not going to go to Assyria. I'm not going to go to Nineveh. I'm going to go to outer Mongolia to make sure that the word of the Lord doesn't get to these people who are my enemies and might have the possibility of repenting and therefore um, being shown God's grace. And so off he goes on his boat. And God... Uh, intervenes at this stage. God needs Jonah to know that he is in control and that he isn't able to run away from him. God is sovereign over the land and he is sovereign over the sea. So he creates a storm which is a bit like God putting his hands into the Mediterranean Sea and shaking up the sea around the boat and then blowing <laughs> violently on that boat with his massive cheeks if God had cheeks and then shaking the boat with his hands. And he wants to get Jonah's attention. So Jonah knows who is in control. A bit like a parent might need to get their child's focus when the parent says to the child, come on, I'll brush your teeth. And the child continues to play with their Lego. And then the parent says, come on, we need to brush our teeth now so we can get to bed. And the child takes his Lego and goes hiding under the table and the parent needs to move the chairs away and pick the child up and take them to the bathroom to brush their teeth. Children need to know that their parents are in control of the house. They are the leaders. And Jonah here needed to know, in fact I think we quite often need to know, that God is the one who is in control of this world, both land and sea. 
he is sovereign. And wherever we go, or wherever we stay, if we go to Timbuktu, if we go to Asa Mongolia, if we go to Tarshish, if we go to Spain, God will be there and he'll be on the way as well. He is the one who is sovereign and we can't run away from him. So that's what we learn in these first uh, four verses. And then we move on a little bit into verse 5 to 13, where we look at the impact of running away from God. So a child might think that there's no impact on them not having their teeth brushed, but their teeth will fall out. And Jonah might think that there's no great impact on him running away from God, but there might be, because this storm is a serious storm and it puts the other sailors on his ship in danger. And so we find out something here. We find out that, that these sailors are afraid. They feel like there's a deity that is interrupting their travel, and they're afraid in verse 5. And so each one cries out to his own God, and they take cargo and they chuck it into the sea because they fear for their lives, and they'd rather that the ship... Um, survives, then their cargo survives. They want to lighten the ship. But where is our useless prophet during the stage? He is under the deck in his cabin and he is fast asleep. And so we see that he's so useless at, at listening to God, at obeying him, at spotting where God's on the move, that even when God sends a storm, that all the other sailors understand to be a deity interfering with their travel, Jonah doesn't get it. And in fact, it takes someone else, it takes a Gentile unbeliever to go down below deck and to wake him up and to say, Jonah, call on your God for him to take any notice. And at this stage, we might ask, what about us? What about us? What does it take for God to get us to notice him. I mean, does it take a storm? Does it take a, a pandemic of COVID-19 for us to sit up and say, God, how might you be talking to me at the moment? Or for our nation to say that, or for our church to say that? How, how good have we been at obeying God? And where might he want us to sit up and listen to him and obey him like we haven't been up to this point? So then the sailors cast lots to find out who's responsible for the calamity. And it's Jonah. Obviously, it's Jonah. He's the one responsible. And so they ask him, like, who are you? Uh, what's your story? What do you do? Where do you come from? And he says, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord in verse 9. And it's the Lord, uh, the God of heaven uh, and the God who made the sea and the dry land. And his, I worship the Lord, literally in the Hebrew, is I fear the Lord. So the sailors had been fearful of the storm. Jonah says that he fears the Lord. But in fact, we've seen no fear of the Lord in him so far, since he's run away from the Lord and disobeyed him. And so the sailors' response in verse 10 is they terrified, or literally, the men feared a great fear when they found out this. And they said, what have you done? Because they knew that he was running away from God. And the sea gets rougher and rougher. And Jonah knows the cure. He says, chuck me into the water. But the sailors don't want to be held responsible for his life. 
So therefore they try their hardest to row to see if they can get away uh, from the storm. And this highlights the fact that there is a cost or an impact of running away from God. Back in the day when I was at school, I had a job in a photographic shop, which I used to enjoy during the summer holidays. And there's a guy who I got to know, let's call him Dave. And uh, Dave was the number two in the photographic shop. And he told me that he had been a Christian when he was in school. In fact, he was very serious about God. And he wanted to become a pastor. So he signed up for a seminary in the States and he booked his tickets to fly across there straight after school. And he was all set on that direction. And then one of his brothers had a big 21st party. It was a raucous party and it worked out really badly for him. And he ended up canceling that ticket and staying in the country. And he never did go to theological seminary. In fact, his life went the opposite direction. If God had called him to Nineveh, when I met him, he was on his way to Tarshish. Uh, He was married with a child, but having an affair with a 19-year-old university student. He is abusing his body with alcohol and tobacco. And even though he said to me, he felt at some point that he would have to come back to God because he knew and trusted that he existed, I could see no sign of that in Dave for myself. And this just highlights the fact to me over and over again, if we aren't going to Nineveh, then we're probably going to Tarshish. There's no middle ground of sort of staying put. If we aren't obeying God, we'll find ourselves disobeying him and heading in the other direction. There's a serious impact of going against God's word. So let's look at the inevitability There's an inevitability in Jonah needing to be thrown off the boat because he's heading in the wrong direction. He's still going westward towards Tarshish and he needs to go east to Nineveh, so they'll need to drop him off into the sea so he can start going in the right direction. And that's exactly what we find. So we find the sailors crying out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this innocent man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. You, Lord, are sovereign. You are the one who is in control of the land and the sea. You are the creator. You are the one we trust. So they sacrifice him into the waves. They chuck him off the boat. And then suddenly the raging sea grows calm. And they know for sure that it was God who started that storm. And so therefore, verse 16, at this, the men greatly feared the Lord. And this response is the correct one. So in verse 5, they were afraid that the sailors feared. Uh, The second progression is in verse 10, where the men feared with a great fear. But by verse 16, the men greatly feared the Lord and offer sacrifices to the Lord. And they make vows to him. They understand a God who is sovereign over the land and the sea a God who is in control, and they understand themselves in relation to him, and therefore they put their trust in him. They understand a God who is like C.S. Lewis's Aslan, who isn't a tame lion, but also a God who cares about individuals and nations. He cares about Assyria enough to stop Jonah in his tracks and send him back there. He cares enough about Jonah 
to not discard him, but to want to use him for that task. And he cares enough about the sailors as well to let them get away with their lives. They found a God who cares. And Jonah finds out that it's impossible to run away from God. He finds out that running away doesn't pay. And he finds the inevitability of God catching up with him. And in fact, in this theme of the inevitability, I want to take us back to Dave, who we uh, finished talking about a little bit earlier. So Dave in the photographic shop um, found that God wasn't finished with him at all. And it is incredible how it happened. And uh, I'm, I'm so thankful to the Lord for, uh, for, 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 using it, for using me in it. I, I don't know why he did, but uh, I had this bracelet which was like it. Do you know, remember those WWJD bracelets, what would Jesus do? Uh, I had one which said 2 Chronicles 7.14, which reads as, as follows. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. And as I was spending some time with God one particular day, uh, it is a couple of years on, I felt the Lord calling me to send this bracelet to Dave. So I did exactly that. I thought, I'm not sure what's going to come of it, but I felt this is what the Lord's instructing me to do. And later I found out the most incredible thing, that Dave went to his wife and he asked forgiveness uh, for the adultery, and uh, the marriage was healed, and he stopped abusing his body with alcohol and tobacco, he started going back to church, and then uh, a couple of years later, he was leading a children's church group. And it is this most incredible return, as God offered him repentance through that verse, um, which uh, was on the bracelet. He took it up and saw that he was able to commit his life to the Lord again and turn away from running away and rather run back into God's arms, which were open wide. And sometimes I wonder, why don't we hear more of these stories of people turning back to God? And I think it's potentially that we get so distracted in our lives that we aren't ready to listen to God's voice and to ask him where he wants us to go and who he wants us to speak to. And then even when we do hear his voice, like Jonah heard his voice, we are distracted and therefore don't follow um, the way that he calls us to go. And we are a people who are living in a world of distraction. So this is um, pretty obvious. Uh, and you might say it's inevitable. But I think it is something that's quite serious. So even Jonah listened to God's voice and was able to disobey. But I wonder whether so often we don't even hear and therefore aren't able to obey uh, God. The, the Catholic theologian writes, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. And I, I think distraction is probably a whole other sermon which we need to get into at some point. But I want to challenge us and particularly during this COVID time, where I think God has sent a storm to shake us up, both as a church and as a nation and as individuals. I want to encourage us to be a people who are openly listening to God, 
who are giving his word time in our day, every day, who are being showered in his word, who are asking the Holy Spirit what he wants to point out in his word, asking his Holy Spirit for other words and pictures and dreams like we read about in the Bible in both the Old Testament and New, and then following where he calls us to follow him and doing what he calls us to do. I'd love us to be that sort of church, saying, Lord, what are you calling us to now? We've got so many great opportunities. Lord, we don't want our lives to be wasted in busyness and distraction upon distraction and looking at our iPhones. We want our lives to be used for a huge amount of good, as Jonah's was in the end. So we're reminded in this text that it's impossible to run away from God. He is the one who is sovereign. We're reminded of the impact of running away from God. It's a dangerous business when God calls us in one direction uh, to go in the other direction. And then we're reminded of the inevitability as well. God will catch up with us when we run away from him. And if that isn't during this life, it will be at the judgment to come. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Jonah. Thank you for all that we can learn from him. And we pray, Lord, that these lessons, Lord, would really take root in our lives. And we praise you for second chances, Lord. We praise you that you sent Jesus to that cross to give us a second chance, uh, like Jesus' death gave Jonah a second chance, and that Jonah was able to go to Nineveh. And Lord, where you've called us specifically in your word, and by your Holy Spirit to do things. Lord, I pray that we'd be attentive to those and to testing those calls uh, and to following you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.